0: Clubhouse. Welcome back to Escaping Gilead. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And we're here to talk about the fourth episode of the fifth season. This one was called Dear Offred. Uh.
1: The title's super simple, right? I mean, this is coming from this invitation that is coming from the Gilead Center for Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that Serena has set up, right? So, Serena's on a freaking warpath of nastiness in this episode. But first, let's talk about what's going on in a little town called Gilead.
0: A quaint little place, isn't it? Though? Where they enslaved the women.
1: Ah. Uh. And apparently, for the kink of the commanders, like to keep them around. Paul, were you surprised at this conversation between Lawrence and Lydia?
0: Only that he would be so frank about it. That's his style, it and he is. kind of he, he enjoys getting a reaction out of people, producing stimulus that then creates a reaction. That seems to be what he lives for. That is his kink, as it were. Mm. He doesn't need any live-ins for that. They call him. And say, hey, will you bother me? And he says, here's something for you to think about.
1: (laughs) That's funny. Okay, so why is Lydia there? Talking because she has a great conversation with Janine, who's awake, alive. And you know what? She's got a little bit more fire in her belly. She is sick of this shit about being treated this certain way, right? And she has given all these warnings to Lydia about Esther. So we can't be hating on Esther, Lydia, no, no. Janine gave you that warning, and then here you are still trying to, like, push her around, you know? So Lydia, were you surprised—I know you've read the books, so you're not super surprised—but that she actually wants to change the system, that she thinks she can come in as this true believer of this fertility need and come up with a really viable way to handle this?
0: That's a good question. Multi part answer. Had I not read the Testaments, then I might not know where they were going to take her or possibly— going to take her you know tv adaptations are always a little different but i didn't necessarily without that knowledge have anticipated that they felt like they needed to redeem lydia you know they could have kept her as just sort of the boogie aunt (laughs) the whole time which
1: is not a dancing
0: aunt no. no, no, no! I bet she hasn't cut a rug in years. <laughs> maybe they have like but an ant line dancing night.
1: <laughs> I bet at some point though, she really cut a rug. She's like one of those ladies at the wedding receptions, dancing with other with other women, doing like all kinds of
0: polkas and whatnot. Yeah, when you ask them about it later, they deny it, but they're like, but it's on video, <laughs> right? But anyway, so I didn't necessarily have to have that for her because I had her dyed in the wool, true believer. I think. The the way we're doing things is great,
1: right? But I don't think this goes against that because I think that she is a true believer of the fertility issue, and and that this, if we go forth in this godly manner, that it can work. Now, what she was either ignorant or turning a blind eye to, or whatever,
0: a plucked eye. Hmm.
1: hmm um. <laughs> she did not have anybody be so forthright as to say you know that the commanders are also grabbing at these girls and smelling them and doing all this kind of stuff. That is not a part of her protocol. So I don't think that there's anything about what she says that goes against her being this true original believer that like this is what we have to do and we're being the servants of God. And so here we're creating this like super sterile environment where their girls can stay healthy, happy together over here. We can keep them protected And it's like, that's not what they're here for. They're here to be like, you know, pushed and used and however, you know, they feel like it over in the commander's houses.
0: It's very much akin to any other kind of extreme ideology where everybody can go into it thinking that if we all execute this plan, say it's communism or something, according to the letter of the manifesto, then everything's going to be great and sunshine and roses for everybody but what always happens because people are people is that the people in charge abuse what they have and they don't go by the letter of the manifesto and they do start to abuse things so if you go into it thinking this is all about god this is all about god's mission to make babies through this ceremony etc cetera, etc cetera, and then someone just comes along and says, Actually, <laughs> they just like to have the girls around.
1: Right. They're like skirt chasers, which is not in any way what Lydia really felt like she was
0: signing on for. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or or sending them off to do. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I believe that her sort of like <gasps> had a moment, like she had like a hitch in her brain there when he was like, No, the specific that that's sniffing the girls. I mean, that was pretty graphic, gruesome crap, you know, to say. I think I would be shocked if someone said that right now, and I'm a pretty saucy gal. But I don't want to hear about men sniffing at
0: girls. Like, gross. Fred made her ask for lotion.
1: I don't even know what that means. (laughs)
0: Like you're saying, that is a moment where she gets, the, the ideology gets broken, and I think that's inevitable in a lot of those extreme cases, you know, where what do you mean the people in charge aren't doing what they said that they were going to do?
1: Well, for Lydia, she has been taking her job very seriously. I mean, do you remember those scenes in previous seasons where she's like sitting with all the file folders are all around her and they're all reading and researching and trying to make these like specific picks? Like mm-hmm. that is not how the men are ever portrayed. You know, they're not being shown like doing these similar type, like how can we make this work? And we're trying to make all these babies and well, all this seen- stuff like-
0: uh, We've seen men do both things the whole time, you know, with Jezebels and their council meetings where they're deciding whose body parts to cut off, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but those are
1: glimpses. We don't actually see them sitting there with the file folders and all that kind of stuff. Oh no, they we don't usually do that see part. like closed doors, it's like business. Right, right. No, and I don't mean that specific business. I just mean like we don't see the business of the men. There's a lot of doors closing. You know, there's not so much like here's our tactical mission and here's our, every once in a while you get some snips like them. You know, remember when they were in DC and they were like playing around the pool table and you get like these little snips. But not like what I'm talking about, where Lydia obviously slaves over the paperwork to try to get these things just so. Very fascinating. What do you think the government of Gilead currently is? Like, where is Lawrence in this political world here? Because he seems like the main guy everyone's talking to.
0: It's really hard to suss out. Their form of government doesn't match ours at all. There does seem to be some amount of parliamentary type meetings, you know, with the councils of commanders that decide things. But the reach of those councils and the purview of those councils has not been explained in any way. Are they deciding everything for everywhere all at once? If so, they'd need to meet a lot more often constantly to be deciding small issues big issues whatever or are they more regional and we're only getting a glimpse of things in the boston area or mm, that's at true. whatever
1: that's one thing that i'm really hoping that the remainder of this season does or at least maybe in season six although but i really would like it in this one i need more understanding of like is there a president? Is there, I and mean, there's definitely not like a dictator. We definitely understand there's like some, like a council
0: of there'd some be, sort. There'd be big posters of the of guy that or something. Right, you know? exactly,
1: exactly. And Lawrence is definitely like the mouthpiece for all these episodes, you know, whether it's speaking to Tuello or whether it's speaking to Lydia, whether it's talking to Serena. He seems to be the main guy, but also not in that. In a situation like that, that person would be very insulated. Like, it's like the Wizard of Oz. Like, you don't get to just sit face to face with the Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, like, kind of weird. Like, it's, like, who is really making the decisions? Because it, it doesn't seem right, narratively, for it to be Lawrence. And you just talk directly to Lawrence, whoever wants to, anytime.
0: Well, I don't think it's Lawrence. And there always seems to be an unending supply of guys in suits that are that are higher placed than the guys that we're dealing with, whether it's Waterford or Lawrence. I don't think McKenzie's in charge. Right. I, but I do think but there's too, probably a council. There's probably a a a uh, what, what do they call it? A uh, first among equals. In, okay. in that kind of. Well, thing. and
1: we know that there's something more strict definitely going on in D.C., you know, because we have had that tiny glimpse into D.C. We've yes. seen the, what that handmade situation looks like. Horrible, if you guys don't remember. Horrible situation fundamentalism there. fundamentalism kind of. Awful stuff. And so, and we remember there's been like conversation about like this high commander in D.C. Remember Lily was talking about this high commander that in they need D.C. to poison, right. Yeah. And so there's something about that. We need to keep him in the back of our head. I don't, nobody says anything like presidents or head of whatever or you know, I'm,
0: Glorious leader. Glorious
1: leader, right. Right, the almighty, whomever. I don't know. Whoever that person is, still kind of a mystery to us. So I don't know exactly how decisions are being made. Specifically with Serena, like you were talking about with the regional portion of it all, it's like, who made the decisions of what was going to happen with her? Just the Boston region did? How they're making this is like, she's ending up being like an entire country's ambassador. But like, how does this, Right. It's all a little mysterious but do we feel like we're good with Lydia and Janine and Esther and that whole sitch I mean do you really think that Lydia is going to be compassionate towards the girls are things going to change a
0: little bit that element of her personality has been kept sequestered away from her duty driven aspect of her personality for so long that without Janine's assistance willing or not she's going to have a hard time not going back to her instincts.
1: Right. I mean, we just saw an episode ago, she slapped a woman on life support. So (laughs) it's hard to then take it like an episode later and be like, Oh, you can be real compassionate. (laughs) Okay. Lydia. I hope that the scene that we had where all the girls were kind of sitting on their cots in the gymnasium and Janine comes in and there's like this sort of like, it's the second that Lydia leaves and everything. And it's just the girls, just the handmaids, how they kind of like run to her and they're all like kind of hugging and huddling around her and all this stuff. I want to think that that a little bit more of that sort of dormitory actual some amount of sisterhood. Yeah. And like and but like in a good way, like not sisterhood in like a we kill together, but like sisterhood in like a we actually are going to like comfort each other and help each other and all that stuff because. That wasn't allowed. Like, there was no, like, if you're crying on your cot, everybody was supposed to, like, turn their back on you and that kind of stuff. Remember all that stuff they did to Janine at the beginning about putting her in the middle and yelling? Oh, yeah.
0: The the circle time? Mm
1: -hmm. All this stuff to make you, like, really isolated from one another. Just in that moment of them all running together felt possible. (laughs) Like, it's possible. Plus, I always think of Lydia as, like, you know, Mrs. Garrett. So I have this like Facts of Life, like they could all live in like a dorm, you know? Like it could, She'd be like, girls, girls, it's time for the ceremony. Like all that stuff. Like I can definitely <laughs> see that she could be like that, right? She's got that vibe about her, right? She, she does. could be a really pink-cheeked, more jovial woman. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed on that situation. And we know the Testaments are coming and we know that's going to focus on Aunt Lydia, Nicole, and Hannah. So knowing that, coming probably 2 or 3 years from now then we know that they are going to be working on some sort of arc for Lydia here where
0: they need an exit strategy.
1: She's got but but I think she's got a she's our woman who is going to be working within the system, same what you need. She's going to be working within the system to try to have some sort of change. Like cuz Lydia probably has enough power to like probably get out of Gilead, you know, if need be. I kind of think she does. But I think that it's important to talk about this work within the system because I'm going to transition over to Toronto. And I want to talk about the difference between Luke and June's approach to the fact that Serena is now going to be in Toronto.
0: Let's go to Toronto, eh? (laughs) All right. I'll just put it out there. I get it that Luke's approach was more deliberate, more thought out. You know, the civilized approach, the way grown-ups are supposed to do things. Well,
1: I'm going to say working within the system, right? So it's not about disrupting the system. It's figuring out the channels in which you can actually change things and working those channels.
0: However, the result of that, and I'm putting the cart before the horse here because we haven't really dug into this, is just now they don't know where she is. I don't know why that's better.
1: Okay, so let's talk this through a little bit. Having this church location right this Mm -hmm. recruitment center i've seen some you know comments from fans be like man i can't stand the fact that they have this recruitment center and it's like so it's like an embassy i was trying to read all this stuff about like what happened to like the german embassies in different countries during like world war ii how is it allowed how are you allowed to have this recruitment center information education center
0: now probably
1: Right. And I'm, I'm certain that Bruce Miller and, and his team have done a great deal of research because I trust them from previous seasons. I know they do a lot of research on these things. So I'm going to trust that somehow, because some Gilead faction owned this land previously, that somehow this is all on the up and up, how this could be working. Right. Right. It's a little weird, though, to me, because, I mean, Canada and U.S. and every like we are we actively fighting Gilead or are we all just like quietly
0: seething? You know, you can have not a state of peace between two countries, but don't necessarily have active fighting like North and South Korea. It's a ceasefire.
1: But remember in the previous season, remember all the talk about Chicago? Remember where the the trains were, like the front lines? Remember all that Nick was going to go beyond the front lines? Like there was active fighting?
0: I believe that is remnants of United States forces.
1: Fighting against?
0: And then other just nomads. Yeah, fighting against Gilead.
1: I guess. So Canada is not in the fight. They're just accepting refugees.
0: Yeah. Well, that's their stake. I mean, that's a way to be in the fight.
1: No, of course. Of course. I was just trying to figure out like, you know, what is their status with Gilead in order to have this, you know, whatever education recruitment center. So
0: it's it's tenuous. You know, I don't I don't think they have like extradition. They grant asylum.
1: So at first glance, the idea that the center being closed down seems like a great thing, right? We no longer have this group of women that are like hanging out, being these sympathizers, mostly women, although there's a couple of men for sure. That group is who we pointed out in our last episode, I think is the most dangerous because they stand to be the people who are dangerous to June. So let's pop over to that initial like cold open scene where we have June and Nicole on the swings and we have this woman who's obviously a zealot. (laughs) She's a zealot for Gilead. What do you think? I mean, like where did we hit the nail on the head? Like these are the people who are going to be the most dangerous
0: in a way. Yeah. Because they don't know what they don't know. Like the guy who got June's gun put in his face at the church and this lady they seem to be speaking from a place of of ignorance or benefiting from propaganda that they've seen from Gilead, saying, "Look at all the babies. Our system works," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: I do want to point out because I saw some some people online saying like, oh, you know, this woman who comes to try to like snatch at Nicole, she is saying that she had two boys, you know, and she really wanted a girl. And so is there a whole faction who just has like a gender desire that now they want to use Gilead for that? And you had a really good point about that.
0: I think that's a misunderstanding of what she meant. I believe she said my two pregnancies were boys. In this world, you can't forget that the whole reason that Gilead became a thing was the low, low, low worldwide birth rate. I guess included in that is the statistics for stillborn or children that don't live very long once they're born. In the book, it gets pretty graphic in terms of the casual nature that people address these babies because it's so commonplace that... Even if a baby comes to term, that's no guarantee that this is a viable person. I think I mentioned early on that they call these shredder babies. Mm -hmm. That's pretty rough language when you're talking about babies. Yeah, no, it totally is. This lady, it's my instinct, had babies that didn't make it that were boys.
1: So that's a very different feel for anyone who missed the part where she was like, my pregnancies were boys, not the fact that she's had children and she didn't have a girl. That's a big difference. So if you're like listening to other reviewers or if you're like watching in Reddit or whatever, there's kind of some confusion about that. This is what we think that we saw. Again, the fact that this woman felt so entitled or so bold as to walk up to June, recognize her, recognize the baby, and think that she should start screaming stuff at her and really reach for the baby. Like, if June was a much more timid woman, I don't know. Like, what if she did, like, I, I don't know, fall down or run away or call for someone? I mean, I think this woman could have grabbed Nicole.
0: This reminds me a little of some of the situations we had with our babies out in the world. And there would be weirdos that would show up and just say things like, do you mind if I lay hands on the baby to pray for her vision or or some shit? I guess maybe my instinct is not so much like June to get in this person's face. It's more like I need to peacefully extricate right now.
1: Right. And so to be clear, they weren't usually like... Stranger, strangers. They no were. No one usually... called Caroline
0: a slut whore. No.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody was like they were like, you know, three degrees separated from us. So they'd be like someone's grandma of someone that we knew. And so they would know that our one child was deafblind and they would want to bring what they felt was some sort of healing power to the situation. I mean, I can admit the one time someone tried to like take Lauren and lay her down in the grass because they were gonna, like lay hands on her. I was like, oh. And I did snatch her up and be like, no, 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 no.
0: It's a moment of panic, though.
1: It is a complete moment of panic, completely. Now, here's the thing. I knew that that person was not going to run off with her, whereas this woman was clearly going to run off with her. Mm. I think that June acted perfectly reasonably in this situation at the end of the day. Like, there's nothing about it. kind of on the, about the table,
0: it. really. I mean, she didn't
1: stab her with a shiv or shoot her in the head. Those things would have been sad she news. She swore in her face. But she swore and she pushed her. You know, she pushed her back to say, like, back off. You know, I actually think that was completely appropriate. The amount- when, I, when I
0: saw the 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 frame of the swing set behind her, I was thinking her head's gonna get a little <laughs> pop on
1: that thing. That's funny. So the fact that June actually kept it to that level, but then had a lot of remorse about that, was super conflicted and felt really quite bad that she Snapped at this woman, even though I'm saying she's totally justified in it. What do you think about June's growth here? Where are we? Do you want to keep her revisiting this inner turmoil or what?
0: I think the challenge for June right now in Toronto, above all things, is figuring out, does she belong here? Has she become a feral cat brought into the city? I don't mean like a tabby cat. I mean like a panther. You know, Mm. like a very dangerous animal that can go through the motions occasionally of doing what you ask. But when push comes to shove, her instinct is to bite your neck.
1: There's listeners right now who are bristling, who are saying June is not an animal. She's a human woman who has been through a lot of tragedy. So you can easily also compare this to PTSD of a soldier Mm -hmm. who has been through awful things. They come back and it's impossible for them to hold down a nine to five regular office job or something. Like there's things that go on that like they just cannot deal with. All of those things are very understandable. My question is as an audience, how much do we want her to keep checking back in with herself and be and sort of revisiting how upset am I? Where am I at in my healing? You know, the fact that now she's how obviously has a lot of self-awareness. I mean when she was back in the group, remember her last season, and they were like, well, we're supposed to keep calm. And she was like, why are we got to keep calm? Remember that? Yep. She's not in that place anymore. So they're clearly saying like, look, she's like, I want to keep calm if I choose to stay calm. And the thing that seems to be bothering her is even in the times when she's like consciously saying, I don't want to get upset in this moment, she seems like she can't help herself. And that out of control part seems to scare
0: her. And that's fair. Where she is who she's with are all saying to do one thing. Her instincts are saying to do another. What this narrative demands of her, I kind of think, are more in line with, with the damaged side than, than a healed side.
1: So let's talk about some of the things that are really poking the bear in this situation. I mean, we have Mark come over. Him just basically be like, yeah, I was in Gilead. I did nothing. I don't really have tabs on your daughter. I don't have any inroads. I got no more, like, intel. Nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And we have this off-red invitation, clearly, you know, poking the bear, trying to get her upset. I think she is right where she should be in terms of, like, there's still real stuff that's happening actively. This is not, like... 10 years ago, I was in this terrible situation. She got a letter today that said Alfred. You know, she has Mark Twello in her house saying, meh, I, tr- I didn't even really try. I didn't, you know, I, everything seems fine. Whatever. When he, she says the line, you are such a disappointment. I got to say, overall, as an audience member, I'm like, girl, you're right. What did you expect?
0: He's he all alone, he no support. He
1: could have intelled more, about,
0: He's not a spy. He's But he should have been. He's there completely above board.
1: Then he's too much of a goody two-shoes for me. I needed him to try to get a little more information, a little more about what's going on and what's happening. So you're totally happy with him? You think he handled everything perfectly? Like, even though he was inside city?
0: He's got a lot of masters to please. Bigger deals than June in his life.
1: Fair, fair, fair. So then we absolutely knew, though, after that, she was going to go dig up that gun, right? We were like, oh, that gun's coming back into play. Can I just say, y'all, I'm not going to try to teach you gun safety, but I'm going to say, if you're going to bury the gun in the ground, put it in like a Ziploc or something. Because that seems stupid to let like dirt and moisture and everything get into it. Like squirrels could gnaw on it and stuff like bad idea, bad idea. So when she gets that gun out out, and it goes jamming.
0: Yeah. Ah. June, because she's not really like firearm trained. I'm gonna say no. So later she says she needed a YouTube video to, (laughs) which I uh, think is actually very funny. But in the moment, I think her having like a jammed gun would be pretty scary. You know, like I don't know what this thing. (laughs) How this works? Could it just go off now? I don't know.
1: And I don't actually know either. Could it? Could a jam gun just
0: go off in your hand? I don't know.
1: I mean, I don't really I don't know. know. I don't. I mean, if there's like dirt and stuff shoved in there and then you try to shoot it. Uh-huh. Seems like bad idea.
0: All bad ideas. Yeah.
1: Very bad idea. So my one thing that I am struggling with, and I talked about this in the last one when she jumped up at the window, the amount of access that June has to Serena really is strange to me they're just right next to each other and they just keep walking right into each other's faces they don't have to jump a fence they don't have to figure out a gate code they don't have to do anything that invitation just set off for it there was no address there was no like nobody had to do anything it's
0: not a formal embassy and I think they can only protect, like, the building, like her guard said. But you're right. Just the idea of just seeing into the windows uh, don't yeah, look reinforced. Serena's or like anything. just looking
1: down at her, like, yoo hoo. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot of like teasing each other.
0: If they weren't in such a such a race to get Serena back out of the country, they could have fortified this place a little.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. Put a bit of a fence at least, right?
0: Something. Something. Get a little distance from these crazies.
1: I would have. I mean, I would have done something. I don't know. What do you think of Shaw, the security guy? Like is he trustworthy? What do we think?
0: Yeah. I mean He's totally Gilead, if, or if he, can we if, like
1: get him on our side?
0: Nope. He's he'll die for the cause. He is operating in a, in a foreign country, as far as he's concerned uh, on security, on this kind of iffy detail for a woman is his boss. I I mean, if you're, some reason why well, I don't know why a man that old would have that particular issue mentally, but for the last say 10 years, he's been living with the Gilead beamed into his brain. So, all that adds up to if we were pro Gilead, we'd think Shaw is like a is probably a pretty great guy, but now I think he's someone to look out for for our team. You do, yeah.
1: Okay, that's good. we got to definitely keep track of him for sure. This is one of those like fork in the road. We could talk more about Serena and what happened with her, or we can talk more about what, how June and Luke and Moira are going to handle this situation. Serena. All right, so let's talk about Serena. Because like you had a very good point when we were talking about that embassy sitch, right? To go back to that, about how if we forced her out of the embassy, what did we really accomplish?
0: We don't know where she is now. I mean, yes, we... Take away her ability to just fringe group style, have recruiters out on the corner asking if you want to take a Gilead personality test and bring you inside. Yeah, she doesn't have that ability anymore. The fact that she went to someone who pretty openly seems to support Gilead policies and everything suggests that there is this weird little network of people keeping track of each other that it's like a little Gilead within Canada.
1: Mm hmm. Definitely. So that's the wheelers. So, I mean, to your point about the embassy, I mean, I think it does legitimize, though, Gilead, like having this embassy and like having her be able to have like an office and security people and being able to take meetings and stuff like that, which we totally have to get into Lawrence in those meetings. And now that she is at the Wheeler house, that feels very different to me. Like I don't it's like somebody would have to come to that house, which feels not the same as like showing up on like a main road with like a big sign out front says Gilead something, you know, it does change the vibe. But I agree with you, shoving someone underground does not make things safer. And that, I think, is a difficult situation here. So let's talk about how Serena has had her hands tied by Lawrence, it seems.
0: Interesting that although she's supposed to be operating independently without any sort of official status, that she officially has someone managing her back in Gilead and doesn't even seem to know it. I guess the <laughs> the memo for her pet status got filled out after she left the meeting cuz I don't think she knew that Lawrence had control over her agenda.
1: Although that was pretty naive. Why would she have any control over her own agenda? By her own country's rules and stuff, she has no control over anything. I mean, what do you think about all these other countries, South America or anybody being interested in Serena and or Gilead in general? Like, are we going to world build more when we had that little second way back when, when Mexico came and actually had a little diplomat meeting? Like, what do you think?
0: I think we'll get drips and drabs. They may need to very specifically continue to outline how with low birth rates, we have lower amounts of workers to be able to produce things. Countries get to be in worse shape if they can't support themselves through exports or whatever they need to do so you might get some countries more desperate than others willing to deal with fringe groups like gilead than others they mentioned venezuela who in our current world doesn't necessarily enjoy you know triple a uh premier standards um in terms of its government and and other things in terms you know with with relation to other countries so yeah, I think when you start to deal with that that group of we're just going to do whatever we need to do. We don't care who we deal with.
1: Lawrence had some excellent lines with Serena in that conversation when he's like, want to talk about poutine? Poutine? Poutine?
0: Poutine. poutine. <laughs> Not poon anything.
1: <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that. Poutine. <laughs> Color for the nursery, a local stalker. So, like, everyone's super aware of June and her ways with Serena. I appreciated the fact that Luke tries to, like, go and talk to Serena and tries to, like, lay on the, like, threatening, like, oh, mama let my wife kill you. And then Serena comes whirling back with the whole... Oh, too bad you didn't try to do shit during this entire thing. Oh, and also it must have been such a comfort to you to know that Nick was taking care of June.
0: She's blessed with a wicked tongue, that one.
1: Dude. I thought that was amazing. Serena's poking all the bears. She's like a long stick with a lot of of different pokers.
0: She wields it easily.
1: So we have multiple times when June encounters Serena. We have that time when she's just like looking up at her and she, you know, her gun jams. But then we have this second time when she's there and they're having like this sort of like, I don't know, mini riot going on outside, right? There's some arguing between like the Gilead sympathizers with the like, we don't think so group.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's what they say on their posters.
1: We don't think so. (laughs) It's Canada, they're polite <laughs> I mean, what did you think about this whole encounter Where we have the gun We've got shooting it off in the air We've got Moira showing up We have Luke showing up And then we have that encounter behind the building with Serena
0: Oh man, I like to think that the rest of the world Outside of Gilead is all standing around laughing Like, look at those fucks, you know what? But they're apparently not What does it mean? Well, just that everyone else would know better Maybe it's an indicator of the desperation of the rest of the world as we've been talking about the low birth rate situation. But then again, this Beardo that shows up and gets into Moira's face and hits her, maybe he's the kind of guy that that would like to live in a society where just thanks to him being a man, all of a sudden he's just throttled to the the front of the line and assigned a wife, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that's the best way he can operate.
1: Well, do you think they were going to shoot? Did you think she's going to shoot in the air? Did you think... I mean, I thought it was weird that both Luke and Moira show up because I'm like, where's Nicole?
0: Well, there's that.
1: Because there's like nobody minding the Nicole.
0: I I don't think you want to be in the practice of waving a gun around. No. Unless you're going to shoot people with it. I mean, if you're going to do that, then by all means, pull out your gun. But if you're just going to start threatening people with it, it's a bad indicator of your ability to handle escalating situations right
1: okay so what about this pivotal moment of coming around the corner you've got Serena and Shaw you know trying to get out the back door and you've got June and Luke who now both have been prodded by this woman both of them poked by the bears here right or being the bears being poked however you like they could have
0: ended the show right right then there right
1: they could have blown her head off and like all is done Would you have wanted June to shoot? I mean, I know we do the thing where we kind of like glance at her belly and then be like, "Mm, save her for another day.
0: You know, these two are completely untrained with firearms. In another world, another situation, she could have taken out Shaw with a headshot and then driven off with Serena for some sort of masochistic, sadistic time in a barn in Ontario. (laughs) But... We didn't get that. We got the, this is going to turn messy if either one of us pulls our firearms out. So we're just going to turn around and walk away moment instead.
1: Are you okay with that? I mean, I know what happened, but how do you feel about that?
0: I feel like that's a very reasonable way for that to have gone down. If you dismiss the part where like the best way to deal with Serena right then was to take her out the side door. (laughs) And get her into well, the, the Suburban. Back. They went out the back door. Oh uh, Well, kind of, but that l- released right onto the sidewalk, onto the street.
1: It's just a church, though. I mean, again, this was the thing about the, like, no fences put up, no nothing, you know? Like, it's just a church. Like, Maybe I
0: was spoiled by our churches in Texas, but oh. they're, like, sprawling you know, complexes <laughs> where they I'm sure they have tunnels out for the
1: out. for the pastors, just in case
0: the day comes.
1: Oh my god.
0: Everyone finds out about their shenanigans. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> I felt like I wanted her to like wound Serena. Shoot her on the shoulder or something. Maybe it no, doesn't have Shaw to be. Shaw would
0: have pulled. He would have would have pulled oh,
1: weapon. Alright. So it was either death shot and you're willing to go down too?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chances are he'd get both. And why show
1: up with the gun at all?
0: Exactly. Exactly. If you're not willing
1: to shoot.
0: You shouldn't pull it out.
1: You shouldn't pull it out. That's what I always say.
0: She's always telling me that.
1: (laughs) I say that to everybody. Don't pull it out unless you're willing to shoot that thing.
0: Whatever the thing is.
1: That's exactly right. I just don't exactly know how to handle this constant Serena June right in each other's faces, but yields nothing. This is like the third time. Good
0: news. Serena is now in hiding.
1: Yeah, at the Wheelers. Let's talk about this character of Gladys slash Alanis is apparently her original name, but then turns into Gladys as like some sort of biblical name. Yeah, well, we only
0: know Alanis at this point because that's what she introduces herself as.
1: Right, right. So this is a new character. And a lot of the kind of rumblings are that she is going to be more villainous than Serena. What did you make of Serena's face when she walks in and is like getting a good gander at the interior of this Wheeler home?
0: For a second, I was trying to put together like, is this the W on the gate? Was it some sort of Waterford estate or something? Well, that doesn't make sense because they're in Canada still and they were former Americans. So no, not that. So I think the awe of having people support her and her views outside of her power base is still surprising that they would be someone separated from just the rabble of people that would show up on the street with a poster but actually be someone that could afford this little estate would probably also in this stage of where she's at in life be awe-inspiring what what did you get though because you're you know more empathic than than me.
1: No, I mean, awe-inspiring is an interesting word choice. I mean, I think she seemed surprised, impressed, and then also a little like, what? Like, w- what is this? Because this place is like Gilead playing house, right? We're like playing Gilead, if you will. Like she comes on in this wife-like outfit and she has a Gilead-like home and yeah like there's a real playing house feel of this place that sort of I mean I felt like it like put her back on her heel like what the frig is this place you know and like a little hinky like I don't know if these people are like crazy like crazier than regular Gilead (laughs) crazy but like because they're not even in Gilead and they're like doing this so I don't know if it surprised her that it was this mini Gilead that they managed to create like a wow or surprised her like whoa.
0: Mama. Mama.
1: <laughs> Those are different. Like, wow, like this place is awesome. Or like, whoa, y'all, are, have a thing going on here. I don't know which one. I'm not really sure. But I think Mrs. Wheeler is somebody we have got to like put up on our big board as like. Totally need to keep an eye on this chick. She is definitely going to be something nuts. And I think really good call on that. This is the indicator that there's clearly this network of Gilead supporters that are living right under people's noses in a very Gilead-like way. I think the W on the front gate's got to be a, I wonder if we could change that into Waterford. It's like what old Serena's thinking.
0: Once she gets her bearings, that may be what she's thinking. Yeah, this is a... I mean, that church was nice and all for what it was, but I like a place with grounds. Servants. (laughs) You know, nestled in the woods. Exactly.
1: All right. So besides Mrs. Wheeler, what do you got for some predictions moving forward?
0: All right. We're going to get a chance for Lydia to prove that she's on the right track. We're going to get to see the conflict in her of her instincts uh, meeting up against her conscience from Janine telling her what the right right path forward is with these girls. You remember last season when she freaked out about the girls with like the scrubbing the floors? Remember that? Yeah. We need to get her past that hump.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Cuz that's still time-wise, she's not very far away from that. That might have been last week. I know in our minds that's a couple years ago, but no, in their minds it's last week. So we got to have that chance. We got to have Serena get her bearings at the Wheeler house and now we have to get to know Mrs. Wheeler. And since she has been brought in with all this implied backstory, we're gonna start to learn whatever that relationship is. And then the fallout back at June and Luke's, you know, are they gonna start to have sex on a regular basis Mm -hmm. now? That's really my most interesting (laughs) point.
1: What do you think about that wild sex scene where they're like kissing each other's scars
0: and whatnot? For the purposes of these two. These two had just had like that rough go at it when they first got back together, right? In the hotel? Yes. And that was it. Well, there's no... There's been some I mean, attempts, but, yeah, but really... I, they
1: clearly haven't had truly intimate, like, connecting moment. It's been awkward, to say the right,
0: least. Right, right. Uh, mechanical and and needs-based, as opposed to... <laughs> sure. Well, this was like they made a point of showing the, the wounds... This is, I think, more of like an accepting each other back into their hearts fully, if I can get mushy.
1: I think that's totally true. I think that they're finally on the same page. I mean, when Luke got really heckled right to his face from Serena, I think that that was a straw that needed to break so that we could finally get these two on the same page and have them, you know, have some sort of understanding of like, this woman's never going to stop. She's never going to stop all the like tamping down that Luke tried to do for June since she got here of like, just chill. We'll figure it out. I mean, he's finally getting it straight to his own face. And that little bit, that little bit was enough for him to be willing to kill her.
0: If you were binging this, this would be a little more immediate. But recall that last episode, Nick basically put himself on the back burner with Very the, much. I so. can't help you. I have a wife. You know, we're not gonna be able to talk for a long time. That basically takes him out of out of the running for a while. That opened her up emotionally. So yeah, are they gonna be having a lot more sex? Is this something that we're gonna see in every episode? Are they gonna be gross with each other? Gross. <laughs> like, <each> like,
1: other? <laughs> are they gonna get like weird kinks and stuff? We don't know.
0: <laughs> right. I'm gonna see some weird swings and apparatuses. <laughs>
1: Why do you have to go down this weird ass path?
0: I don't think that's going to be a big part of the show. It's just the emotional connection between the two needed to be shown to the audience, and this is the best way to do it in one scene. What'd you think of the song? Yeah, that's a pretty sexy version of that song, right?
1: I love it. I love that beat like that, man. That's hot stuff. It's very, it uh, reminds me of like Black Betty.
0: Slower, but yes, it's got a driving aspect to it.
1: Love it. I think, I think it was perfect. It's The Chain, by the way, y'all, who don't know. I want to go look that one up. Excellent. Fleetwood Mac cover. I may not say it right, but Kerala Dust. K-E-R-A-L-A Dust.
0: I do not know her.
1: But very cool. I loved it. I loved it. That was a good one. I liked that version and that like genre versus the dream ones or like the 1950s songs. Like Mm. this is a more like, yeah, (laughs) battle cry (laughs) kind of feeling, you know? Cool. Very cool. Anything else you want to put up on the board for next week? I mean, we've got Lydia we're looking at. We're looking at the Wheelers, figuring it out. I am still wondering if they're going to try to marry off either Lawrence or Serena. Somebody got to have a husband or a wife here. And where's that leave Hannah with this whole wife training school and like waiting around? Like, are we going to start seeing some guys on the periphery here? Like, oh, that's the right guy. We're going to pull him in. What's going to happen?
0: We'll see. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. Please remember to rate. Review and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that other people can find it and enjoy it as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.